Good morning. I think it is time to start. I'm not 100% sure. There we go. All right. My wife has taken my watch and won't give it back. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, good morning. We are glad to be back with you after uh, two wonderful Sundays in the Dominican, although we are not completely glad to be back as I know everybody wishes they were still there as well because God is good all the time and all the time. Amen. Amen. So uh, we look forward to tonight sharing with you at five o'clock right here all about our trip and what God did and testimonies from our team and pictures. And so uh, it was it was a phenomenal trip. God is so faithful. And uh, our trip was on being unashamed and then resting in the power of God. And we saw that completely happen throughout and so it will be a blessing tonight. Make sure to come out. Feel free to wear your white shirts. That would be fine. And uh, be right here at 5 o'clock. And look forward to sharing about that trip. If you get your bulletins out, some other announcements as we get started. If you are a guest, just fill out this blue side on the tear-off portion and put that in the offering plate when it goes by. We'll follow up with you about Mechanicsville Baptist. And then on the yellow side, if you have any prayer requests, put prayer requests at the bottom. Put that into the offering plate as well. And we pray for you uh, each week in staff time. On the back are opportunities for the week. Make mention, again, today, 5 o'clock is our share service. And then this week, there are no Wednesday evening activities, but there is the 11 a.m. Bible study. And then Missions Development Team meets Thursday at 7. Make mention, it is one week to go, one week until our Vacation Bible School. So next Sunday night, we're going to start our Bible School. Remind everyone who's, who's participating and helping um, that we're going to try to get everything decorated and ready before next Sunday. So hopefully when we have service here next Sunday, Tim will be preaching in the jungle. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, have you ever done that before? There you go. This is the first for everything. And uh, so it is in the wild encounters with Jesus. And so we're excited about that. If you are helping out with Bible school, could you stand up? In any way, shape, or form. All right, let me, let me uh, uh, say a quick prayer for you all, and then uh, we'll continue on. God, I thank you for all of our volunteers here and who are not here. God, we lift up them, and we thank you for their uh, service to you as we uh, share this special time with our children. God, may you be glorified in everything we do, and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Uh, so we have a great group of leadership. Oh, yes. We have a great group of leadership for our Bible school, but if you come and you need to wonder if you can be involved, there is a place for you, so please still come and help out and experience everything that God will be doing starting next Sunday night. Um, besides that, our Sunday school brochures are in the back. Okay, Freddie's got it. Okay, Thursday, August 1st, 6.30 instead of 7, and where do you meet? What room? In the conference room downstairs. Okay, so 6.30, August 1st, Missions Development Team. And then there are Sunday school class brochures in the back, and I think in both uh, areas, the FLC and here. If anybody comes to church and you're wondering about what Sunday school class to attend, there's a wonderful write-up. I think, Barbara, that was your project, yeah? She's saying new member team. And so please... Take one of those, read through, get involved in a Sunday school class, and if we have guests, you can use that as a resource to help them kind of decide which classes uh, are doing what and what is best for them. 
So anyway, thank you for that team putting that together. What a blessing. Uh, anything else, Tim? Okay. Um, so we'll have our call to worship, and again, it's good to be together in the house of the Lord. Good morning. Our call to worship today is number 83, Be Thou My Vision, number 83 in the hymnal. Please stand and sing with us this morning. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, say that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy confusion. Tim and Tim's name was in where I'm usually at, so I want to make sure. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, for this service, for this opportunity to gather in your house, and may your Holy Spirit dwell, and may you lead and guide and direct each and every part. God, we thank you for uh, what you are doing. We thank you for the return of our mission team uh, from the Dominican Republic. We thank you for their witness of you as they were there. We thank you for the call to go and that they responded to go and follow your great commission to all the earth. God, we thank you for what you did there. We thank you for uh, what you're going to do tonight as we share in a special time together. God, as we continue the service, we do pray that your word would speak its truth to us, that we would be convicted of, uh, of how we can live more fully for you, and that, God, as we sing praises to you and as we 
share together in fellowship, that you would be glorified in everything we do and everything we say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let us stand and sing number 136, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Number 136, please stand and sing with us. Keep your hymnals open and turn it to page 557 for our responsive reading. Page 557. I will do the uh, portion as worship leader, and Paul, together with you all, will do the darkened portion, worshipers. Responsive reading 557. For you know that you are redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in an earthen furnace, purified seven times. In him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And now we'll stand and sing number 237. I stand amazed in the presence. Number 237. Please stand and sing with us. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Oh! 
is good. All the time. Let us pray. Father God, God of unfailing and unending love, who has redeemed us by the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We come before you this morning to thank you, Father, for this opportunity to teach you to worship you. For you and only you are worthy, Almighty King. You have prepared us for this moment from days long ago. May by the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit open the eyes of our heart to this message, Father. And as we bring our tithings and offerings before you, realizing that they're not ours, they're all yours, Father, knowing that without you we can do nothing and we have nothing. May the tithes and offerings be used to proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ throughout all the land. And grant us wisdom in the use of these tithes and offerings. And may these tithes and offerings be but a reflection of the depth of our love and devotion that we have for you. For it's in the name above all names, Jesus Christ, we pray. And all of God's people said...
you are not hidden there's never been a moment you were forgotten you are not hopeless though you've been broken you're innocent so then I hear you whisper underneath your breath I hear your SOS, your SOS I will send out an army to find you In the middle of the darkest night, it's true I will rescue you There is no distance That cannot be covered Over and over You're not defenseless I'll be your shelter I'll be your armor I hear you whisper Underneath your breath I hear your SOS, your SOS. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true, I will rescue you. I will never stop marching to reach you in the middle of the hardest fight it's true i will rescue you i hear you whisper underneath your breath i hear you whisper you have nothing left I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true, I will rescue you. I will never stop marching to reach you in the middle of the hardest fight. It's true, I will rescue Oh, I will rescue you. I want to call your attention this morning to one of our uh, members, Paula King. Paula uh, had an accident with some uh, cooking oil last Sunday and uh, burnt her right, she's left-handed, burnt her right hand severely to the point that she had to go to the burn center at MCV, and they operated and did skin grafts on her hand on Friday, and she is supposed to remain in the uh, bed in the burn unit through Tuesday in order to keep the hand completely still and immobilized so that they can uh, so that the skin graft has an opportunity to take. So please pray for Paula, for her patience, as well as her healing. I called her this morning. 
uh, during the Sunday school hour to check on her. And, you know, when you're healthy otherwise and they tell you to stay in bed, that's very difficult, you know, to do. Um, but she's doing okay. But please pray for her. Um, that shows you a little thing. It seems like a little thing can become a very big thing if it's not tended to properly. So uh, please remember Paula in your prayers. And I'm sure that's where Robbie is this morning. He's with her at MCV. So let's bow for prayer. Father, we come before you this morning with thanksgiving and joy in our hearts for the opportunity to be called your children and to lift up one another in prayer. We know, Father, that there are many people with needs in our church family, concerns and uh, problems and difficulties, Father, that are not shared, and yet we know they are there. And so we call upon you, Father, to work in the lives of those who are in need. We pray, Father, for Paula. We pray for her patience and for her healing as she uh, recovers from the burn to her hand. Uh, Father, we don't understand why things happen the way they do, and yet we know that in the midst of the difficulties in our lives, you walk with us. And so I pray, Father, that you will wrap your arms around her and bring healing to her hand. We're grateful, Father, for the others that uh, have been mentioned in the Sunday school hour, for those, Father, who are recuperating at home from surgeries, for those who are facing surgeries and waiting to hear reports from doctors and so forth. We know that these can be anxious times. And so we give them to you and pray that you would minister as only you can. We're grateful, Father, for this church, for the ministries and opportunities of this place, for the spirit here, for the work that we're able to accomplish in the name of Jesus. We're thankful, Father, for the team who left us to share the good news in the Dominican Republic. We're thankful, Father, for their enthusiasm and for their joy in doing so. And we pray, Father, that we can continue to pray that the seeds that were planted and began to grow will continue to grow as the message was shared. We're grateful, Father, for other missionaries, those that we can name and those who are unnamed. Father, we lift them before you and know that as they are around the world, that they can make a difference. We thank you for our connection to them through the IMB, through the North American Mission Board, through the BGAV, through the Southern Baptist Convention. We're grateful, Father, for the partnerships that we have and how we are connected in missions. I pray, Father, that your will would be done in the work of each of these connections. We're thankful, Father, for this country and for those who lead us. And we pray, whatever their capacity may be, that you would bless them, encourage them, and give them wisdom to lead. We're grateful, Father, for your word. For in your word we find hope, we find instruction, and we find meaning for our lives. Bless your word, Father, as we open and as we listen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning is Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. Under the peril of having an empty soul, it's a parable of Jesus. And we pick up in verse 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. 
Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. A new sheriff was elected at a time when the community was being plagued by a lot of burglaries and vandalism. He encouraged a neighborhood watch program. We know those exist. Uh, He encouraged and asked the people of the community to be on the lookout for suspicious-looking strangers. The sheriff encouraged neighbors to inform those near to them when they would be absent or away from their homes so they could be on alert for any suspicious activity during their absence. At the end of one year, there was a significant decrease statistically in the number of burglaries in that part of that particular county. For you see, an empty house is in greater danger than a house fully occupied. Unoccupied rental property is always in danger because it presents an invitation to burglaries and vandalism, doesn't it? An empty house is an invitation for destruction. Jesus used these known facts about empty houses to illustrate a greater truth. The danger of having an empty soul. Jesus was speaking to his nation and to its religious leaders. The evil spirit of idolatry had been cast out of the lives of the people of Israel as a result of the pain of the exile. Never again was the nation of Israel tempted by the worship of idols. At the same time, The people of Israel had neglected to let the true God of love, grace, forgiveness, and helpfulness enter into their hearts and lives. Consequently, they possessed an empty soul. The nation and the people were experiencing the results of being empty of God and His goodwill for their lives. Their religion was empty in that it was full of negatives and lacked involvement in outreach ministries. It had become about them and what they had done, but their lives had not been filled with the goodness of God. Augustine is quoted as saying, Thou hast made us for thyself, and our souls are restless until they find their rest in thee. One can participate in religious activities and yet have an empty soul in terms of being filled with God and His goodness. This parable of the empty house should cause us to tremble. It should cause us to think about what our house has in it. It is possible that some of us have not let God come in to fill our lives in such a manner as to keep the evil spirits away. Jesus was warning us about not filling our lives with good things. This can happen without people being aware of it. You see, what had been created was a culture of negatives in religion. Jesus' opponents were well known for being scrupulously righteous. But in the process of building their reputation, they lost the heart of what God wanted them to do. They traded truth for legalism, which helped them feel superior to others and which allowed them on occasion to displace God's will with their own legalistic interpretations of the law. 
They forced out what was noticeably evil, but replaced it with an evil of their own that allowed them to reject God's Messiah. They had pretty much filled their houses with their own thoughts, with their own understandings, and had left God The pursuit of do's and don'ts, the passion to rid ourselves of sin, while a worthwhile pursuit should not be our ultimate goal. For merely ridding ourselves of unrighteousness only makes us more vulnerable to sinful forces invading our lives if we do not replace the void with Jesus' indwelling presence through the Spirit. The Jewish religious leaders of Jesus' day were great at emphasizing the negative. Their favorite verses began with thou shalt not. And they enforced them readily. They have many followers today who take great satisfaction in their negative goodness. Having become very pious and self-righteous, they speak loud and clear about what they have not done. And Jesus would assert that negative goodness is not sufficient. You remember when the two went to pray and the one was talking about what a great person he was and how he had done this and how he had done that. And then there was the one who came and stood there and said, Lord, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Which prayer made a difference? It's the same principle here. The shallow ineffectiveness of our reformation from sin can cause us to have empty lives. Some people have thought that they were very religious because they turned over a new leaf and forsook a bad lifestyle. The parable of the empty house, which has been called the haunted house, sometimes speaks to us concerning the fact that reformation is not deep enough and will prove to be ineffective. Because we can ask ourselves this question, when does a liar stop being a liar? When he stops telling lies? No. When he starts telling the truth. You see the difference? The statement reflects a very important biblical principle that tragically many of us miss. The absence of evil doesn't equal obedience to God. Or to state it positively, real repentance embraces new actions that replace the old. In other words, it is not enough to say, I'm going to stop lying. Real repentance starts telling the truth. It's not enough to say, I'm going to stop committing adultery. Real repentance embraces Christ-like love for a spouse. It's not enough to say, I'm not going to be materialistic. Real repentance makes the choice to give. And that lesson is shown to us in the story of Zacchaeus, isn't it? Zacchaeus repented of his sin, but he put his repentance to action, didn't he? He filled his life with God's goodness, and out of that, he was able to give more than he had taken. Alcoholics need to do something besides forsaking the use of alcohol as a form of coping with the pressures of life. Those who consume alcohol are using humankind's most ancient tranquilizer which dulls the pain that comes as a result of the cruelties of life. The use of this drug in the form of social beverages is very destructive and will eventually destroy many who use it. It should be recognized that alcoholic spirits are in reality a substitute for that which only the Holy Spirit of God can do in the life of the individual. Paul understood that when he said, Be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with what? The Spirit. 
Lovers of pleasure need to do something more than forsake a habit that is indulgent toward their appetites and their love of ease. Greedy people need to do something more than just quit grasping for more of the possessions of the world. They need to become like God and become generous givers rather than greedy graspers. Over the weekend, since Friday afternoon, we have had guests in our home. And they probably left by now, returning to their home in Madison Heights. It's a boy. He's not a boy. He's a man now. But he was a boy when we first met him. He used to stay with us um, uh, when we were in Madison Heights. And now he's married and has three children. They're five, three, and eight months. Well, you know, when you're used to rattling around in the house, just you and your wife, and then you throw all that in there, oh, my goodness gracious. You know, now and then I find Janet somewhere in the house under a dust bunny, but, you know, there was no, there was no escaping this situation. And John, my friend, told me about his, his little girl, Addison. She's three and just full of herself. Dan's about that tall. And she, he said, one day I came home from work. Her older brother's name's Will. He said, I came home from work, and she followed me into the closet where I was changing my clothes, she said. She looked at me and she put her hand on her hip and she said, Daddy, Will was mean to Mama today and I don't know what we're going to do about it. <laughs> Three years old. Now I tell you that because that's what Jesus is saying here. It's not enough just to say it, to repent of it. You must be willing to do something about it. I don't know what we're going to do about it. God gives us direction to do what we need to do. The aggressiveness of evil is real. And Jesus points that out to us in verse 44. Look what we hear. We hear the evil spirit speak, don't we? I will return to my house from which I came. We are getting closer to Jesus' point. Apparently, the discontented demons decide that he likes his former abode better and he wants to return. He had been out shopping and looking in dry places, had not found anything better than where he was, and so he decided to go back. So he goes back. And when he returns, what does he find? The house empty, swept, and put in order. This is important. He returns to find that his previous dwelling place had three characteristics. First, it was empty. Second, it was swept and in order. Or swept, and third, it was put in order. Each word is important. It is swept, which means that it looks like a complete job has been done. You know, everything had been swept up, cleaned up. It looked very good, which means that it looks like a complete job. It is in order, which means that it has new decorations and furnishings and everything's put away and the way you would want your house to be if no one was in it. But the most important characteristic is the first one. It is empty. Unoccupied. The word empty is an interesting word. It means leisurely or purposeless. It is the opposite of undivided devotion. So it is a word whose main characteristic is the absence of any real purpose, direction, or ownership. And this is key. The demon returns to a house that is cleaned up with new direction, decorations, but it has no real purpose or direction. It has no owner. It is vacant. No one is there. 
Notice the effect in verse 45. The evil spirit saw saw the clean, tidy, but empty house as an opportunity. And what did he do? He turned it into a frat house, didn't he? With lots of demons living there. Not only did he come back, that demon returned, but he brought others with him. In other words, its cleanliness and its tidiness without any ownership made it an attractive target. No matter how clean or nice or decorated, the most important point of this story is that that house was vacant. Jesus is saying this to the countless people who listen to what he says and even make a few changes, but they never make a final determination over who is really going to live in their heart. He is talking about people who are content with lives that look clean and tidy and presentable, but there is no transfer of ownership. He is talking about people who make enough changes so that appearance can be kept up, but there is no real lasting and fundamental change. In fact, this leads to a worse situation. Jesus was not focusing on the depravity of the human heart when he gave voice to this parable of the empty house. He was recognizing the malignant aggressiveness of evil and the tendency of evil to return to our lives again and again and again. We need, with the help of God, to drive out every demon that would possess us. We need to recognize that the demons that are driven out may come back in another form unless the place from which they were driven is filled with the presence of God. Only God in His fullness can prevent the return of evil into a person's life. It's important that we understand this. Yesterday we took a little field trip with the people that were here. Don't you love it when I have company and I can tell you stories about stuff like that? Uh, But it's good stories. And so we decided to go to Lewis Ginner Botanical Gardens uh, and hunt for the Legos. You know, they've got Lego statues going on there, so we want to do that, look at the flowers and all that stuff. And on the back of the property, when we were looking for one of those, we found a farmer back there and a tiller that had been made out of Legos. And it was a garden that had been sponsored by Kroger, a vegetable garden. And we noticed around many of the vegetables, the tomatoes and the peppers and whatever was left there, that they had planted basil, you know, the the spice basil, around the plants. And we thought, well, that's interesting. Why are they doing that? You may know this. I didn't know this, but I read it on one of their little signs. It said, basil is a natural repellent of insects. So if you plant basil around your tomatoes and so forth, it will keep the insects down. And it's a natural thing. And also the oil from the basil helps the plants. And, you know, I thought about that in reference to this sermon. And you remember in the Old Testament it talks about God built a hedge around his people to protect them. Well, you see, that's what Jesus is trying to get us to see here. We have to protect our houses, the house of our heart, from infestations of evil. And only God can do that. He is the one who can repel that. So we must let God fill our life with good things. It is not enough to merely 
uh, to be merely empty of evil, we must let God fill our hearts and lives with goodness. The mere absence of evil in your life will not bring you fullness of joy or cause you to be well-pleasing in the eyes of the Father God. A heart that is empty of evil and cleansed from sin must be filled if it is to remain clean and experience fullness of joy. The way to keep the weeds down in a garden is to fill that garden with seeds and plants so the weeds and the grass can be easily controlled and crowded out. We need to do more than let Jesus come into our hearts to drive out the evil spirits that disturb and disappoint our, our, and destroy us. We must let God's Spirit fill our lives. We must fill our lives with the things of God or the evil spirits will return to plague us and this means that our last state could be worse than the first. An empty mind and an empty heart invite disappointment and tragedy. Many professing Christians are characterized by a negative form of religion and have let evil spirits come in and fill their minds and their lives. Consider the evil spirit of self-righteousness that makes us so unattractive in the eyes of the unsaved people around us. Consider the evil spirit of self-satisfaction that causes us to live dormant and stagnant lives. Consider the evil spirit of selfishness that causes us to assume a position of non-involvement in reaching out to win others to Christ. Consider the evil spirit of apathy that leads to boredom and dissatisfaction with life. Consider the evil spirit of criticism of those who are trying to do the will of God. Evil spirits can take many forms and occupy hearts that should be filled with the spirit of God and with the goodness of God and Jesus is warning us. You see, God wants to occupy the house of your soul. He wants to help you cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to help you to love Him supremely and to love yourself properly and to love others in helping and in a joyful way. When we permit God to fill our hearts and lives, He gives us a great inward security that replaces the fear and anxiety that dwelt there before. When He is permitted to fill our hearts and lives, He enriches us so that we can become givers instead of getters. He enables us to experience a joy that overflows and bring joy to others. But it begins when we understand that we must fill our empty houses with the Spirit of God. Maybe a little over a year ago, I returned to the place where I grew up in Natural Bridge first grew up before my parents separated and we lived in a house that uh, had been built and furnished to employees that worked at Natural Bridge. There were three houses on a hill, one a little bit further down the hill and one off to the left from the other houses. I said, well, I'm going to drive up on the hill and see what things look like. Well, the first thing I noticed was two of the five houses were gone completely gone. The other three were in such disrepair, no one could live in them. And I found myself kind of saddened by that just because, you know, it was a part of your life. And those houses used to be so well kept and painted and uh, people lived in them and a little thriving community there with five homes. And I happened to think, about what Jesus was saying here. If we neglect our house, 
It's going to fall in around us. And evil will take over and destroy. You can bet it will destroy. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But the the seeds of destruction were sown. When we think of what Jesus said in this parable, God wants to help us be what he meant for us to be before the evil one came in and disturbed and destroyed the beauty and peace of Eden's garden. God wants to restore paradise in your heart and he can do that only through Jesus Christ. So we must ask ourselves, have we let Jesus into our hearts? Because he makes it very clear here, doesn't he? There is no substitute. Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, what joy it is to know that you care enough about us to show us and to warn us. Help us, Father, to fill our lives with your goodness and your spirit. For we have learned it's not enough just to be clean. We must be productive as well. Speak to our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And Jesus would invite anyone who has never given their life to him to open your heart and let him in. Allow him to give you what you need so that he can fill your life. And this morning, if you have never allowed Jesus to fill your heart and your life and heart are empty of him, ask him, what can I do To remedy this situation in my life. What can I do. That can make a difference. In my life. So that I can make a difference. In others. Our invitation hymn is number. 446. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Will you stand as we sing together.
thank you for making this hour a part of your day as we worship together. Don't forget tonight at 5 o'clock here in the sanctuary, uh, the Dominican Republic mission team will give their uh, report and testimonies as to what occurred uh, the time they were away from us. We're glad they're back and safe and are very thankful for the ministry that they were able to do uh, while they were there. And also remember next Sunday evening, uh, Bible school begins, Sunday evening through Thursday. So I hope that you will plan to be here. There's a class for almost every age. Uh, and uh, anyway, I hope that you will come and be a part of it. Uh, Paul, will you lead us in the chorus of uh, Blessed Assurance as our, our closing? And we can do it a cappello, don't you think? Can we pull that off, you think? All right, go ahead. <laughs> This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. 